Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, our betting leans have not been that outstanding so far. I'm going to fess up to that. Although, I, you know, the unders hit all four, actually. All four. So that part, we've had under control. The sides, not so much. Uh, Clippers did not cover, going back to Tuesday. And then yesterday, uh, neither underdog covered. So I thought it was going to be dogs and unders, and it turned out to be favorites and unders. But at least we got the total side right, looking at a lot of that stuff. Uh, I think we're we're 500 or a game under 500. doesn't matter right now. They're all leans. This is... None of this stuff so far has been something that I would lay my own money on, but just wanted to you know continue to throw that out there, and we will continue to do so. I think the stuff that's a little bit easier are series prices, which you know are starting to get more of those. A new one floats out every day, and uh, the new one. Although I guess that's actually not true because yesterday was the the nine ten stuff, so nothing new today. We will have more tomorrow, though, because today, no, I'm wrong. There are no games tonight. What the hell? I thought Tuesday stuff would roll over, but Dan, get your get your act together, because the team that lost on Tuesday, the teams that lost on Tuesday, are playing the teams that won yesterday. See, this is, you know, figuring this out. I actually really like the play-in. I, I love what it's done for to eliminate tanking in some capacity, or at least to make uh, tanking easier to predict much easier to telegraph, they or they telegraph it, and then we can kind of figure it out. Uh, and and it's fun. I mean, these games are these games are cool. They're interesting. But what I haven't figured out yet is how it has impacted the schedule on a day to day standpoint. Remember, the season used to end on Wednesday, and then the playoffs would just fire up over the weekend. Now the season ends on Sunday, and there's this mishmash where you got a Tuesday Wednesday stuff, and then Thursday off, and then Friday's games. And then Saturday, you actually roll into the playoffs. It's just not the teams that were going on Friday, et cetera, et cetera. You guys catch my meaning. Anyway, I'm figuring out the schedule side. Sorry, I'll get this right. No games tonight, but we can begin, I would think, to break down the games for tomorrow a little bit. Although, am I not seeing lines on these? I thought for sure there'd be lines on the games tomorrow now. Yeah, there they are. They're up. I don't know why they weren't. I think I needed to refresh. We had a power outage here last night, and I'm thinking that may have had something to do with it. I got to get all my, all these websites I have open are are pulled out of a cache right now. Open up the new ones, you jerks. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about tomorrow's lines today. Of course, it's also a lesson learned coming up today with sports ethoses. It's hard to say. It used to be easier to say hoop balls. With Matt Klauser of Sports Ethos right here. In-house, one of our up-and-coming writers. He's a stud, man. We'll get a lesson learned from Matt coming up a little bit later on in today's show. Which is good, because I want to get what everybody learned from this year. And there may be situations where someone... Where we disagree. I don't know that that's necessarily coming today. I just think that at some point, I'm, someone's going to hit me with a lesson. I'm going to be like, no, I don't think that... I'm not on board with that one. That's why we got to talk to other people. You guys get stuck with my voice constantly. I'm not very good at, at having guests on the show. I used to be a lot better at it. That was when I had one child. Simple as that. That was when I had one child. And my day was not 
littered with shuttle runs to and from preschools and trying to do podcasts when a kid isn't napping in the other room. Like, the, the older one wasn't really napping a couple of years ago. I could just do a pod whenever I wanted at that point. Not so much. Not so much these days. Anywho, uh, I'm Dan Baspers. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is, of course, a Sports Ethos presentation. Love to talk to you guys on the socials at Dan Bespers or at Ethos Fantasy BK. Shout out once again, by the way, uh, the resurrection of the Sports Ethos Toronto Raptors podcast is complete. Danny Nolan, Danny and Kevin, they have brought it back to life. Thank goodness. That was a fun pod that uh, disappeared, was just sort of uh, rolled off the grid in December, but it's back. Danny and Kevin, just in time for the playoffs, so the Toronto Raptors, the Raps cast here at Sports Ethos returns. You can check that out if you're a Raptors fan, listen to this to this show, at Ethos Raptors. And, of course, of course, another shout-out to our buddy Joe Orico, who's got our Fantasy MLB Today podcast cooking for fantasy baseball season. It's basically this show, five days a week, but for baseball. I've been enjoying his social media work as well, trying to keep myself abreast of any changes going on in MLB. I'm, I'm trying, I'm really trying to keep my team going on fantasy baseball right now. My team stinks. <laughs> I suck at fantasy baseball. Stick to basketball, Dan. Stick to basketball. Anyway, tomorrow's games. Hawks are in Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. Hawks are two and a half point road favorite. Open at one and a half. It's already up a little bit. Total started at 226 and a half. It's down to 223. Clippers, four point favorites at home to the Pels. That total also is coming down. And of course, this is what you see as playoffs go on or even as play ins go on. Totals come down. People start to remember. Because the NBA season now, the regular season, is a lot of fast-paced basketball. There's only a couple of teams out there that try to grind you to a halt. Just a handful. Most teams are opening it up, firing at will, you know, transition, pull-up three-pointers, things like that. So you're talking a lot of that Phoenix Sun stuff from a decade ago. Longer. Good God. Decade and a half? Oh, my Lord. We're getting old over here. Teams are shooting in seven seconds, basically, is what I'm trying to say to you guys. That doesn't happen so much in the playoffs or the play-ins. Hawks and Hornets got to within a half point of the total, so that one was pretty damn close. But everything else has gone under by... Didn't they all go under, or did one of the games on Tuesday go over? Now i got to go back and make sure I didn't say something dumb. No, they, they all went under. They all went under by a, a good, at least a couple of possessions, some more than that. Like Clippers, Minnesota, that was way under. And really the only team that has shot the ball well in in a non-transition type of, of format was the Nets, KD and, and Kyrie. And Atlanta shot the ball well, but Charlotte didn't play any defense. Charlotte needed to be better. Everybody else, I guess New Orleans shot pretty well, but... Otherwise, they had some weird little gaps. Like, that, that game shouldn't have been as close as it was. I know the Spurs had more three-pointers and only turned it over six times. They were able to get more shots up. But the whole point is, these games, they're really hard to get good looks. The Hawks are going to be a huge public team in that one because the Cavs have looked really bad lately. 
it's hard not to take Atlanta by a few points on the road with as as well as they've played down the stretch, as poorly as Cleveland played. I you know I know it's the public side, but I I would have to lean in the Hawks' direction. The Cavs have not impressed me of late, and the only thing that would steer me away from that game would be you know aside from the fact that Atlanta is going to be such an intensely public club, is that the Hawks have not been good on the road. They're sixteen and twenty five on the road. They went twenty seven and fourteen at home. Cavs are. Uh, you know, almost equally bad on the on the road. A little bit better on the road, maybe a tiny bit less. They're two games less strong at home, three games better on the road. Not that that matters in this instance. Uh, but we have to see, can Atlanta go get a road win? They've done a lot of their damage at home. Even down the stretch where the Hawks were playing well, the road wins they picked up, at, you know, the final three-ish weeks of the season were over the Pacers and the Thunder and the Rockets. Three teams attempting to lose. The Hawks' good wins down the stretch were at home. They beat the Hornets at home yesterday in the play-in game. They beat the Nets at home back on April 2nd. They beat the Warriors at home on March 25th. So they've sort of turned into a very Jekyll and Hyde kind of team. They beat the Grizzlies at home. I don't know if Jaw was in that game. I can't remember going way back though but you know they lost to the Hornets on the road they lost the Heat on the road those teams are they lost the Celtics on the road they lost the Bulls on the road they lost the Pistons in overtime on the road they did beat the Wizards on the road also in there and the Knicks so you know they got a couple of wins against teams that weren't actively trying to lose although the Wizards is sort of debatable and the Knicks March 22nd that's also a little bit debatable how will the Hawks fare against a team trying when they're on the road? And that's the question mark tonight, and it's why this line is I presumably staying somewhat low, is there's, there's disbelief, probably more on the non-public side of things, that the Hawks can shoot as well, play as well away from home. So uh, I don't, you know, I probably couldn't make a wager on the Hawks with them being this public of a team right now. I would look at the under, though. Again, I would look at the under. Cavs are going to play better defense than Charlotte did yesterday. This, of course, these games again tomorrow. There isn't Friday. And then the Pels and the Clippers, you, you also, again, kind of have to wonder about home court. I haven't been all that impressed with the Pelicans. They beat a Spurs team that got almost nothing from their best player. DeJounte Murray was just not good. Pels are 17-24 and 24 on the road. Clippers 25-16 and 16 at home. There is... Something there. And now that we have actual crowds in buildings again, it really does change the way the playoffs are going to go. Are we at all surprised that so far in this postseason, all four home teams have won? Will Hawks-Cavs flip that on its head? Will Pels-Clippers flip that on its head? Clippers covering four is going to be interesting because the Pels do have, I would argue, more firepower. But, you know, the Clippers, we've seen them. They can play pretty well at home. They got a lot of interchangeable pieces. They have pretty good pieces to deal with a couple of the Pelicans' key guys. You know, they can throw different things at Ingram and McCollum in a way that the Spurs kind of couldn't. Can Zubats deal with Jonas Valanciunas? Yeah, I mean, probably as well as, not as well as anybody, but well enough. 
So matchup-wise, Clippers pose a much tougher one for the Pels than the Spurs do, and just the you know, Clippers are a better team. I would look at the unders in all of these games again. I just, you know, I think when it's winner take all like this, or winner take almost all, as it was the last couple of days, t- games tend to grind a little bit. And then you, pr- you know, you probably look at the Cavs as a sh- very short dog. Could they surprise somebody? I don't know. That it feels like betting the Cavs. You're trying to be the smartest person in the room. Might leave that one alone. And then the Clippers covering four. I think they probably win. Do they cover four? Not as easy as it looks. Not as easy as it looks. We have lines on game ones uh, for Saturday and Sunday. We'll talk about those on tomorrow's podcast. Friday's show is going to be all about NBA series prices and weekend playoff games. We'll probably save uh, our next lesson learned after today's, of course, we'll probably save the next one for Monday of next week if, I, if I'm if i planning this out in my head properly. Mostly because, what's the rush? We got a whole damn offseason to go right now. We're only on show four. The prison wall here only has four little slash marks in it. Tomorrow we get to draw one of them delightful diagonal lines. All right, enough of this nonsense. Probably get into lessons learned today. And to that end, as promised a few minutes ago, I want to bring in our first guest of the offseason. You're, you're, you're breaking the seal on offseason me not just talking to myself. The great Matt Klauser, what's going on, man? You're from right here at Sports Ethos. People should know you, and hopefully a few more will after this podcast. Good morning, by the way. Good morning. What's up, Dan? Uh, we're... What is... Yeah. What is up, fantasy freaks out there in the, uh, <laughs> in the world? All my freaky sports ethosians. So, Matt, you can follow on Twitter at Sumo Cartwheel. That is spelled exactly as you'd assume it is S U M O and the word cartwheel. That's a great. Can I? Well, I don't know. Should I? I wasn't planning on asking about it, but can I ask where that comes from? It's completely innocuous. My name is Matthew with one T, and that is just an anagram. It's just. Whoa, really? Letters jumbled up. Yep. Matthew Clauser, sumo cartwheel. Are you able to do anagrams quickly? That always blows my mind. Um, I can't do them okay. Although that one, I got carried away with an anagram solver. (laughs) What's anagram solver? I do like to play all sorts of word games. Yeah. Uh, So are you, I have never played Wordle. Do you do the Wordle thing? I do. I do the Wordle. I do the Quirtle, which is four at once. What? Yeah, yeah. You do you do purdle? Four, four boards at once. I do, of course. Yeah, of course, I do purdle. <laughs> yeah, we're up, we're no, up and no, running. No silhouettes on purdle. No way, you man. Gotta go, you gotta so, go raw. Maybe I gotta. Maybe I gotta try one of these things. Should I? Which one? If I was gonna start, which one should I start with? Because I'd, I'd be leaning towards purdle. Because if I, well, if I know Pirtle's anything, not, it's yeah, yeah, it's NBA. Just, and that you just you get. It's I think it's by. Team, conference, position, height, jersey number. Oh, that's where those are the, the hints they give you? So you can knock it down pretty easily. And you get eight guesses. So really, I mean, you know, you yeah, play, for... you, you know everybody in the league. You're, it's... We, yeah, we and they're fantasy. not giving you like, they're not asking for like uh, Mamadi, Diakite, or, you know, they're more known players. Yeah, though well, that's, yeah. Fantasy degenerates, I assume, would probably just dominate the crap out of that one. 
Yeah, I haven't got one wrong yet. That always amazes me how folks can. I, and I actually like. I'm I'm more that way with numbers, I think, than letters. But it always it always amazes me when folks are able to pull an anagram together out of something with what what are we talking about? Was that thirteen letters? I lost track. Uh, something yeah, like that, many, yeah. yeah. See, I counted it pretty quick. See, I'm much better at counting than I am at rearranging letters. Uh, all right, Matt, let's dive into lessons learned. Everybody's heard my first few, and I have plenty more, but it's time to talk to somebody else. By the way, uh, the Sumo Cartwheel here that we'll be talking to, you write for us here at Sports Ethos. I hope that folks have checked out some of your stuff uh, you have the Snell game, which is one of your features. I want to talk about that before I let you go at the end of today's show. Yeah, but, yeah for sure. Uh, let's do a lesson so learned. Hit me with your, with your. I don't know, I guess we could say, I'm sure everybody's got a few, but what's one of the big ones for you? Let's break it down. Well, I mean, I think we all, after this season, we all have to um, agree that the most important thing is that you secure the number one pick at all costs <laughs> yeah. because you cannot win without Nikola Jokic. But, <clears throat> but uh, no, seriously, I think for me, it was the idea of, of, of not getting too close to my own fantasy. So what does that mean? And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, sometimes your best laid plans just have to be abandoned. You have to let them go. I wound up with, Steph Curry, Michael Porter Jr., Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton as sort of the core of one of my teams. And, you know, MPJ shot like garbage and then got hurt. Chris Middleton shot like garbage. Steph was shooting like garbage. Uh, and I just thought, well, it's going to come around. It's going to come around. And I missed an opportunity to right after the trade or right after the draft, one of the guys in my league said, looked at our teams and he said, we're going to end up trading Steph and Nikola Jokic this season. And I had another opportunity to do it about a month into the season. And I was like, no, Steph's going to come around. And I never did it. And then wouldn't you know it, I match up with that team in the finals. He's got Nikola Jokic. I have Ouch. no Steph Curry. And you can imagine how well that went for me. Right now, I don't, I feel like I, and Yes, I, I want to break this thing down piece by piece because I think there's a lot there. At the back end of it, I don't think you can kick yourself that much because you didn't know Steph was going to have an actual month-long injury with three weeks to go in the regular season. That's a tough one to predict. That's true. Yeah, you can't predict. There's no crystal balls for injuries. Because he was largely healthy before that point. Yeah, I mean, he was disappointing for what my expectations were just because his field goal shooting was down this year. Right. But, you know, he did a lot of other great stuff. He was giving me a lot more defensive stats than I thought he was going to give me. But but the larger point is, like, you know, and it, it it's the same in drafts as, as how drafts go. It's the same when you're streaming or anything along the way, you know, head-to-head -head on your weekend matchups. Just don't be afraid to, to get off the plan a little bit. Yeah, you know, so I, you know, I, I opportunity when they're there. Totally agree with that sentiment. And uh, one example I can pull from my own side, and I, I want to kind of use these that starting point to now jump to how we can kind of apply this to to people out there. For me, uh, I had a team where, and and we've had Adam King on the show a few times. He loves the punt bigs build, and so I tried that mm -hmm. in a couple of head to head leagues this year. I, I ended up in way too many leagues. That's something I'm changing for next season because I couldn't keep track of any of them. Uh, 
as this as the year rolled on and guys got hurt or guys popped up on the waiver wire, I, I there were bigs that emerged that when initially I was like, look, I'm punting bigs, but I picked them up anyway, even though they sort of didn't make sense for my team. And two, three times that happened over the course of a year, and all of a sudden I wasn't punting bigs anymore. So I I feel like that kind of falls right. into that same thing. And like I got to the finals in that league because I won rebounds in one of my playoff matchups, a category that on draft night I was actively punting. Actively avoiding. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I and I, I think you can kind of apply this to Roto as well, although maybe it's a little bit tougher because if you if you do end up with four guys that are bad at field goal percent, maybe that's a situation where you just kind of lean into it. But, you know, what steered you? I'm trying to think of the right way to ask this question because I think you do kind of have two paths. Doesn't the road fork a little bit there where you ended up with four guys you thought were not going to be bad for your field goal percent, and then they all kind of were. So could you have gone into a punt? Could you have gone back the other way? How did you make the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to stick with this and I'll just build around a team that's not as good at shooting as I thought they were going to be? Right. I am pretty punt averse because it's just so hard to do it well. And there's so many things that, you know, we, that it's out of our control. So I feel like anytime I punt, um, something ends up like, like exactly what you just said, you know, some, something comes through the back door, some opportunity that I wasn't prepared for. Right. And then the Uh, opposite side too, like, you know, the thing I mentioned was kind of a good thing that happened. It could be what you talked about, which is Steph gets hurt. And all of a sudden the anchor, the, the piece that's supposed to drive this punt exactly. build, like I lost the guy that's going to win me threes every week, and now, you know, I'm punting two categories. I, my margin for error becomes infinitesimally small. Right, and so I, I ended up, you know, leaning into a um, assists punt in that league because I was a little low. I, you know, Butler wasn't playing that much, and Ugh. Curry, I didn't have too many other assisters. Uh, Middleton, you know did okay yeah but but you know when when Middleton and Steph Curry are your number one assisters you're not going to be great right you know? those two guys are what five roughly five and five something like yeah, that five Steph and six had it close to seven for a while I think he dropped down towards the end of the year yeah six point um, six point three yeah and then you know so but as part of that I said well I I don't need assists so what I can make up for some of this field goal and so then I just started picking up bigs and just trying to get as efficient big men as I could. Did you feel like that then put you in a, in a tight spot where you were only looking for guys that could cover the thing that was now going wrong? You know, it did, but I, I, if I have to stream something on my preferences to stream big men, because there's always just a ton of guys popping up at the end of the year you know, sort of out of nowhere, even before silly season injuries happen. And, and these guys who are, who are just going to thump your, they're really going to help the field goal percentage. They're not going to give you any turnovers. Um, I really don't play for points anyway. So I, I'm trying to win percentages and defensive stats and turnovers that those are the, that's my five. <laughs> Sounds like you're talking so. about a Roto league right now, but I know you're not. <laughs> no, well, you know, I've played mostly Roto lately. We're playing head to head. And that's probably why you have that that strategy built in because you're you're talking about a lot of head-to-head players they kind of throw the percentages up in the air and say this is a coin flip a lot of the time but if you're targeting them and you're actually good at them 
I mean, they they still are probably the easiest categories to win because a lot of folks aren't paying attention to them. Right, they aren't. So I feel like if you if you get those covered and you keep your turnovers low, everybody's punting turnovers. Yeah, everybody, yeah. Oh my god! So don't even get me started. Then you on have that one. to figure out how to, how to beat your opponent in only two cat two extra categories per week besides those three because most teams are going to give you those three. I feel like you just sort of presented the. This is like the Moneyball iteration of of fantasy basketball punch strategy. <laughs> yeah. totally. No, because and nobody, exactly. right? You're looking at what everybody's doing, and you're saying if we just do this thing, we've now made the easiest path possible. I feel like okay. Look, can we can we put plant a flag on this one? You and I need to go join a free league next year, so we don't really have to focus that hard on it. But just join like mm-hmm. a free head to head league, Yahoo free, whatever, and run this strategy and 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 run the opposite basically of what everybody else is doing and see how it goes if you were gonna if you were I, gonna attack the percentages and turnovers what are the other two categories you would probably hunt is it defensive stats um uh, yeah i mean those are the hardest to get right so if you can i mean that's the dream team you shoot great you get blocks you get steals and you don't turn it over yeah, I mean, and you don't you don't need any volume guys for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, give me like, I want like I want five Michael Bridges and I want five Herb Jones. <laughs> yeah, and like <laughs> Chris, Chris <laughs> Paul know? and the Time Lord and could like, sort of round you know, it out. I guess you gotta have yeah, exactly one guy who who just give me a Rudy Gobert and give me a a, a Jaron Jackson Jr. and call it a day you could throw like damar in there if you want to power boost the percentages you can have right, one exactly. scorer that's it just one where then everybody else is like well yeah they're not great at field goal percent but they take four shots a game and damar's taking 20 so exactly he'll, he'll counterweight that pretty well this is interesting i think i think we need to put this into practice a little bit more so i tried oh, it actually halfway through the season i, I got into a young go. league and well i forgot the draft and I <laughs> nice job. <laughs> which is another lesson learned. Yeah. Don't auto draft. <laughs> Do not auto draft. But I applied this strategy and I finished as the third seed. Interesting. With guys that you I, didn't even attempt to draft. Yeah, well, I worked the wire. I, I broke all the rules and used all of my four roster moves every week early just to, <laughs> uh, just to acquire those kind of players. And uh, I ended up losing. I had campaign. He got hurt in the first round of the playoffs. I lost that matchup by one assist. Wow. Okay. I need you. Yeah. Can you do a little uh, ditty on this on Twitter? Yeah. I, I'd love to yeah. hear how that broke down. Like who got auto drafted? Because I don't. I you know I don't reading oh, yeah, have reading to the go names back off and look at it, but... yeah I was gonna say and then reading the names off verbatim on a podcast is probably not the world's oh, greatest entertainment I, was, but yeah it was but it was like Damian Lillard who was um, already out at that point Ben Simmons oops it was just a terrible team and somehow you managed to turn that into a playoff roster yep. or yeah or we're talking yeah we're so talking playoffs. you know n- never give up. Never gets right. Uh, so I would love to see on Twitter who you got auto drafted and then some of the key moves you made to get to the the build that you were looking for. Because I, I think that this is, you know, if we can if we can kind of perfect this route, 
I don't know. It just feels like that's an avenue that's open now and kind of staying ahead of the game. Uh, Matthew, the Snell game. I don't want to let you go without talking about your baby over here at Sports Ethos. What's what's the Snell game and why should people be checking it out? Uh, the, Snell, the Snell game is I'm trying to straddle real life and fantasy, the dichotomy, talk about players who are, are doing good things and players who are good, who are not helping your fantasy team um, and trying to have a little you know, poke fun at the world of analysts a little bit. I have a lot of, like, a, I call it the the circus of fantasy foretelling and statistical anomalies. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, of course, it's uh, inspired by the god Tony Snell, who, you know, most famously had that 28-minute game where he didn't record any stats. That was magical. Missed shots, magical. He also has a perfect game on his record, too. A game where he had no turnovers, made all his shots. So, but he's like, I think he's sort of um, just the perfect player to name it after. You know, obviously the works for a good pun, but uh, because he's a, he's a great basketball player. He's a dead eye shooter. You want him on your team. He's a great defender, but you do not. You don't want that guy on your fantasy team. Have you heard of Have you heard of Whack Fantasy? I have heard of Whack Fantasy. I've I've kind of wanted to do it, but I've never I've never done it. Yeah, I haven't either. I I it sounds amazing. I just a whole team of Tony Snell's and like the ghosts of Shane Battier. <laughs> I can't I cannot wait. This like sounds like a magical time. Um. Okay. So here's what we're doing. Yeah. Here's here's the plan going forward. Because also we we lost about seven to eight minutes of audio on a computer glitch. Um. Matthew, I'm tasking you with going to Twitter at Sumo Cartwheel. Go follow him immediately. Post haste, Sumo Cartwheel. Anagram. Your brain is crazy. Uh, let us know a couple of things. One, that auto draft you were talking about, and then really how you got from a team that wasn't at all what you were trying to do to one that was. And then your, the first team you talked about with Steph and Middleton and MPJ. How did you turn that team from one where you had particular targets into one where you kind of had to change what you were attacking after draft day, even though you got a bunch of the guys that you were attempting to get? So um, it doesn't have to be today. I don't know what your schedule looks like. Uh, By the time people listen to this podcast, it'll likely be later in the day anyway. But at some point in the next, let's say, 48 to 72 hours, you got a deep dive in you on some of your, your moves this year. Yeah, I'd love to do a deep dive on a couple of those things because they're one. Yeah, one. It's just the lessons in how not to give up. Why not to give up? You had um, another lesson that got cut off, and I'm going to talk about it a bunch next week. But I want to make sure I give Matthew his credit on this one. Uh, and <laughs> that other lesson is, it's all about watching the games versus the box scores. And I know that you're very much a watch the action because you can stay a week to ahead of folks that don't actually do it. And I, I'm not going to say the same thing I did before we got cut off because it ended up sounding like an, an advertisement for League Pass. Uh, but, if hey, if you get ExpressVPN, which is one of our partners, and you can watch any game you want, how about that for an advertisement? Um, Matthew, okay. if uh, you are now officially, this time with the computer working properly, off the hot seat, may you enjoy the rest of your day without any technical issues. Thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate it. And uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Oh, it'll be soon because uh, we're going to talk about some of the results from these things you've been discussing. We'll talk during the off season here. We've got things to discuss going into next year when we go try our hand at some of these 
kind of backwards basketball money ball builds. The plan is out there, my man. The plan is out there. Oh, Thank yeah. you again, and, um, dude. You're welcome. I got that Joffrey Laverne story coming. <laughs> maybe, maybe we can throw that. We'll throw that on the next podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. The great Matthew Clauser. Really happy that he's with us here at Sports Ethos. Another terrific mind. You guys got to check out the Snell game. Seriously, it's a great read. It's fun. There's a certain, and and a lot of the writers here at Ethos have a thing that I just, I haven't seen as often, and I've seen it sometimes at other sites. I don't want to say that nobody else has it, but there's just a flair. There's a flair to the writing that you guys got to check out. It's it's a love for basketball. It's a love for stats and fantasy stuff that just makes it fun. You know, we have Josh Millman on this show a lot. He's another guy that we're like, right off the top of my head, I'm like, this guy's got that certain flair. Uh, because for me... Like, I do it mostly all my own fantasy research. So when I read something, I want it to be something that's just a little bit fun and not the the dry stuff that a lot of websites are churning out. So uh, Matt's been amazing. Really happy that he's with, he, with us here at Sports Ethos, and we'll be talking to him soon. I do also want to pursue this avenue because I think, and it's not going to be simple. It's going to require a lot of focus. I think it's going to require some practice but I think we might be now a couple years ahead of the fantasy landscape actually kind of pivoting back, or I don't know, back, it's not even the right word, pivoting in this direction. Because if this works, four or five years ago, punting was only free throws. Think about the evolution of the punt. First, people punted free throws because that was a really easy one. You could just take like Dwight Howard, Shaquille O'Neal, whatever, you know, 15 years ago. You just take them and remove the downside. And you turn a guy who was, you know, with Dwight, with the free throws, he was whatever he was, like top 80. But without him, he was a first rounder, basically. Just one thing that you had to get out of the way. But then it that has evolved over time. Punt uh, assist teams have become really popular these days because there aren't that many mega assist guys. So if you just don't worry about that, punt field goal teams have become crazy popular these days because the high-volume dudes that are doing all the stuff but chucking, they're very easy to come across, and they tend to be kind of fun to watch because they're always doing things in the games that you're looking at. Oh, my guy got 34 points today. Yeah, but it took him 28 shots to get there. If you don't have to worry about that, that makes it more fun for a lot of people. But I do think... That what Matt brought up as sort of tangential to his, you know, don't stick to your plan point, but maybe even the the more interesting of the two things we covered on today's show, which is, hey, if you if you look at the categories that everybody's kind of throwing up into the air, like, you know, the 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 Jimmy Butler stat sheet meme, where he looks at it and just kind of flips it up, whatever, that's three categories now. People are flipping up in the air in head-to-head leagues, both percentages and turnovers. Now, every once in a while, in those head-to-head leagues, you're going to run up against a team that's actually attacking field goal percent or free throw percent. So that one's going to make it a little bit tougher for you, and so maybe that one goes the wrong way. Uh, But if you're also very good at the defensive stats, and if you happen to be kind of okay at like most of the things that are not straight volume, like scoring and threes... 
you've got a chance to still win those weekly matchups. And I think that's where some of the little tweaks are going to come into play. And I think it's probably why we need to try this out a little bit. But there is an avenue there where you're now like three out of the five categories you could kind of walk into a lot of the time. It's a strategy that I've applied heavily in roto formats, but not as much in head-to-head. So thank you to Matt once again for coming on the show. I am Dan Vespers. Tomorrow we're talking betting over the weekend. Playoffs and betting on Friday shows these days. We'll dive back into lessons learned on Monday. You guys already heard one of the ones for next week. It's going to be about watching the game, what you can learn from your eyes versus the boxes or both. And then we got plenty more to talk about as well. We'll try to get some more guests on the show. These are always fun because it brings new things into focus that I hadn't even really thought about. At Sumo Cartwheel, that's Matt. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. Talk to you tomorrow.